I am extremely excited to share this morning. We're in the middle of, and this is the last week of our series on I Need. And this series was really birthed out of what Pastor Dennis just referenced, putting together a young adult ministry at the church. And um, there are a couple new ministries at the church. We just started a young adult ministry. It's without a name, so we just call it the young adult ministry. We meet on Sunday nights. There is a life group for young married couples and young families that uh, is meeting every other week. The information is in the bulletin on that as well. And we started to study some of the needs that uh, millennials, uh, young people have. And as we started to study those kind of trends and needs that they have, we realized these are needs that everyone has. It might be said in a different way. It might be explained a little bit different, but these are needs that we all have. And Pastor uh, Dennis started off with, I need meaningful relationships. And Pastor Newby talked about cultural discernment. I need to know how to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and sometimes that feels like I'm standing against culture. And last week, I don't know how to describe what happened in here last week. The student takeover was uh, something else. And I don't know how to follow that. This way. It seems like whatever I do this morning will come off as boring. Doesn't it kind of this morning? Uh, the students took over last week, and uh, this morning I, I'm... I think I got the best I need. Um, I, let me tell you a story. I was talking on the phone with my wife. We were about done on the phone and uh, getting ready to say goodbye to each other. And I got another call on my phone. And I said, Ronan, that's my boss calling. Got to go. You know, I'll be home in just a little while and I'll talk to you. And I said, I love you. And I got off the phone with her and clicked over, you know, to talk to my boss. And we talked for maybe two or three minutes. And at the end of our conversation, I did it. I, I mean, I like my boss, and I have Christian love for my boss, but that's my boss. <laughs> and I'm sure, like, you know you're supposed to love your boss, but you don't normally tell your boss, oh, I, oh by the way, I just love you. And it had to be because I just talked to my wife, but I, I did it. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I love you. And I was like, what did I... <laughs> And there was complete silence on the other end. So I hoped that maybe he hung up because we were saying goodbye and he missed it. And so I waited for a second and that second seemed like an eternity. I was like, how do, how do I follow this? And so I said, are, are you still there? And my boss said, um, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Joe, I, you know, I, I really like you. And uh, <laughs> you're a great guy, and um, I appreciate you, and, and you know, I was stuck, because I can't say, hey, I was just talking to my wife. I love my wife, but you know, I just like you. I was just stuck, and I was like, okay, bye, and I just, for a couple weeks, every time we saw each other, it was really awkward, <laughs> and um, I don't think, and this just happened a few weeks ago, I don't think he's called me since then. We have not talked on the phone <laughs> since then. There are some phrases like, I love you, that are just powerful. They're just pow- and we don't say them all the time. They're just powerful. Um, I want to talk this morning about a powerful phrase that I encourage you to say all the time. Um, let's do something really awkward this morning. But you turn to the person beside you, and we're going to say this powerful phrase together. And I'll coach you through it, and you can do it. It might be a little awkward, but find someone to look at. And we're going to say this phrase this morning. It is, I need Jesus. 
That is one of the most powerful things that we can simply proclaim. I need Jesus. Or maybe we say it like this. I need you, Jesus. Have you ever had a moment? Have you ever had a situation? And you were just stuck in that place saying, oh my goodness, I need you, Jesus. Maybe you said, Jesus, I need you now. Like, I need you right now in my life. Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how to handle this problem. I don't know how to handle this doctor's report. I don't know how to get this to break from my life. I need you, Jesus. And we've noticed that in our time studying the needs of millennials, it all boils down to this. They need a clear proclamation of who Jesus Christ is. And don't every single one of us need that? A clear picture of Jesus Christ. My goodness, Pastor Dennis, I second what you say of the missionary sharing this morning is, I will use anything to leverage an opportunity to declare that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. What a, what a great, um, there's some, some scriptures here. Let me, on Joel 2.32, are you aware that today is the day of Pentecost? Yes. Listen to this scripture from Joel 2.32, that Peter declared on the day of Pentecost. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We simply declare, I need you, Jesus. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. This is God talking to his people. Call to me, I will answer you. And I love the last part of this verse. It says, and I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Call to me and I will answer. I believe that the greatest I need that you have is a clear path to Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to share about what do we do when we can't find Jesus? What do we do in our situation when we don't see Jesus at work in our lives? Or what do we do when we're surrounded by people who don't see Jesus? Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52, if you want to turn in your Bible. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 says, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 46, After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. Verse 48, He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verses 51 and 52. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. This story follows the feeding of the 5,000. John says that the people following this miracle proclaimed this. John's telling of this story. Here's what he says. Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. We tell this story that the counting of this is like 5,000 men. So there were 10, 15, 20,000 people at the feeding of the 5,000. It was a huge crowd. Jesus had this crowd. The people were declaring, this is 
the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. Jesus and his disciples were on the verge of something completely historic. There was momentum. Something was in the air. Something was happening. And all of a sudden, Jesus shuts it down. And he puts the disciples in a boat. And he pushes them off. And the scripture says that he goes up on a mountain. And he sits. And he watches. Jesus is orchestrating the situation. Jesus is actually completely in control of his situations. You know, there are times when we're facing a situation and we could tell it's somebody attacking us. There are times when we're facing a situation and we know because we messed up. But there are times when we're facing a situation and we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea why we're facing this. We have no idea what's going on at all. And apparently, at least once, there are times that Jesus actually puts us in a situation to get our attention. But the bottom line, whatever you're facing... And whatever the reason you're facing it, God is actively doing something in your life. Whatever it is, whatever the report, whatever you're facing right now, God is actively doing something in your life. The scripture verses that are so clear, he will never leave you or forsake you. His grace is sufficient. It's always more than enough. It's always more than you need. He always makes a way of escape. Verse 48, it says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. The disciples are in this situation where they are completely stuck. They're stuck. In every way they try to go, the wind is still against them. Every way they turn, every way they move, the wind is there. And they're straining at the oars. I imagine they've tried all kinds of different ideas. I imagine they said, let's put you at the front of the boat. Let's put the strong side in the back. They've tried everything. No matter what they've done, the wind is constantly against them. Have you ever faced a situation that just won't let up? And maybe you've said this, I guess this is just how things are. Or I guess that's just how that person is. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a kid, maybe it's just a situation, maybe it's a health thing, and you have just determined in your mind, well, I guess that's just how things are. For for me, I guess that's just how it's going to be. This situation that I'm facing, this financial situation, I guess that's just how it is. And sometimes we say, we feel like the wind is against us. It won't let up. We've strained and we've tried, and we say, I guess that's just how it is for me. The Bible says, verse 48, it says, it was about the fourth watch of the night that he went out to them. So at this point, it's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. They had been struggling for six to nine hours. For six to nine hours, they're stuck, struggling all night long. And listen, this morning, I don't know when God is coming for you, but he's coming. And I don't know when your situation is going to change, but it's going to change. And I don't know when or how you're going to get healed, but my goodness, it's going to happen. I don't know when, 
but it's going to happen. You know, in verse 49 and 50, an unusual thing happens here. It says, it makes it sound at first that Jesus walks past them. But the scripture says he walks by them. And they say, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Now, here's what I don't understand about that. These disciples live with Jesus 24-7. They know what Jesus likes for breakfast. They know, if I could say, they know whether or not Jesus snores. I mean, they, they know everything about him. They know his favorite foods. They know the songs he sings when they're walking from city to They know everything about Jesus. And yet, he's in the water beside them, and they can't recognize him. Have you ever faced a situation, and you had no idea that Jesus is right there beside you? You're for sure that he's forsaken you. You're for sure that he has left you, and yet, he's right there. He's right there with you. My oldest son, when he was young, um, we didn't have any other kids yet. And uh, several years ago, uh, I did not have a full head of hair, if you're wondering. I was still bald, but uh, we, our son had a birth defect, and we had taken him to our doctor, and the doctor said, there's just, there's just nothing I can do at this point. You're going to have to, you know, put him in to have surgery. And so we visited with a specialist, and a specialist confirmed it and, and said, yeah, he needs to have surgery. And uh, it, was, it was a minor surgery, an outpatient surgery, but they said, this is what you guys need to do. And it, it was extremely difficult for me. We prayed, and we asked God to heal him, and, um, but, you know, we had to go through with the surgery. And everything was fine. We took him to the hospital, Children's Mercy, an excellent hospital in our city, we took him there, and he had a dinosaur bed, and we tried to make it fun for him, and uh, he was wearing his favorite pajamas, and he had his blanket, and had stuffed animals, and we were that family that walked in like we were moving in, and um, we just tried to create this great atmosphere for him, and everything was going so well, and then they turned to us and said, okay, now we're going to take him to surgery. Now we're going to take him, and uh, so we all walk in the hallway together, and he's in his bed, and there's two or three nurses with him, and the doctor's with him, and we're in this long hallway. I will never forget it. Ron and I are standing beside each other, and we're like, hang in there, buddy. We'll see you in just a couple hours. We'll see you, and, you know, hang in there. We'll get ice cream or whatever, and they start to take him down that hallway, and he starts to cry, and then he starts to scream, and I'll never forget what he said. He says to me, screaming at the top of his lungs, he says, daddy, daddy, don't make me do this. And he's screaming. He's screaming. He's like, mama, mama, don't make me do this. And he's literally trying to jump out of his bed and nurses are holding him and we don't know what we're supposed to do. And we just stand there and Ron and I are standing right beside each other. And about at the back of the auditorium is where he is and they're taking him away on that bed. And he's just screaming. He's screaming, God. Well, he's screaming, mom and dad. And I'm screaming. It's like, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? In that moment, I felt completely alone. And I kind of reached out like this and found my wife's hand. And that's all we did is we stood on our end of the hallway and held hands. And we watched as our son screaming and crying is taken the other way. In that moment, I don't know where God was. In that moment, I don't know why. But I have a sense he was right there with me. 
Now I have a sense he was right there with my son. You know, we went into the waiting room, and it wasn't a time where we, like, read magazines and checked out what was on TV and, and got some really bad coffee. I mean, we just sat there and couldn't talk. Just with tears down our face, we did not know what to say. And yet God was right there with us. Son went through the surgery. He's totally fine. He's here running and playing this morning and has a good end of the story. But for me, that was the moment when I said, God, you're not here for me. God, where are you? And yet he was right there with me. And listen, I have no idea what you're facing, but you need Jesus. And the Bible clearly says everyone who calls on him will be saved. And in your moment of trying and striving and working and getting weary and well-doing and I can't do it anymore, the one thing you can't quit is simply saying, I need you, Jesus. Maybe it's a day after day after day after day saying, God, I need you. God, I need you again. It hasn't happened but I need you. And Jesus, I need you today. I I need you again. And in these verses, we have to ask, Jesus, why did you put them in the boat? Why did you push them off? Why did you leave them? Why did you go up the mountain? Why did you sit down? And why did you watch? The Bible clearly says, he did this because they had not understood about the loaves their hearts were hardened. The disciples' hearts were hardened because of the loaves. In Mark 6.36, the Bible clearly tells us why this happened. It says, the disciples went up to Jesus and said, send the people away because they're hungry. It's getting late. Send the people away. And here's what Jesus said. He said, well, feed them. And you know what their response was to Jesus? Jesus, do you have any idea how much it cost to feed these people? Can you imagine telling Jesus like anything like, do you have any idea? But they say, Jesus, do you have any idea what it costs to feed these people? Do you have any idea? And they put a number on it. They said it cost half a year's wages to feed these people. Send them away. And I think this disturbs Jesus. Obviously, he punished them. (laughs) But I think that idea disturbs Jesus. And here's why. Jesus never sends people away hungry. Jesus doesn't send people away who are hurting. Jesus doesn't send people away broken. And they say, there's a number on it. It costs A number. Are you aware of what it costs to take care of these people? Their hearts are completely hardened. See, they want to be fed by Jesus. They just don't want to make room for everyone else. You know, our mission is to make the gospel clear. But within that, we must understand you cannot make the gospel easy. Our mission is to make the gospel clear. We cannot make the gospel easy. If we attempt to make the gospel easy, it's no longer clear. The disciples came to Jesus and said, it's easier if we send them home. And Jesus says, what about what they leave with? 
What do they think of me when they leave? He's a great teacher, but he doesn't provide our needs. He's a great teacher, but he's not a miracle worker. He's a great teacher, but he doesn't feed us. He's a great teacher, but our lives weren't changed. Their hearts were completely hardened. One night I came home from work, pulled in a driveway. My son was sitting by our basketball goal, holding his head down. Now, normally when I come home from work, my kids are young enough that they're excited to see me. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they'll be, come running down our street as I'm pulling in and just excited and daddy, 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 daddy. Um, the oldest one is almost out of that. And uh, so he was sitting there by the basketball goal, his head down. I knew something was wrong. So I pulled in, and I walked right up to him, and I said, what's wrong, buddy? What's going on? He's like, nothing, Dad. And I'm like, come on, tell me what's going on. He's like, nothing, Dad. And I thought, oh, okay. And uh, walk inside the house, and my wife says, did, did he tell you? And I said, no, he didn't. He didn't tell me. And uh, she told me a story of what happened. A neighbor right beside us is a kid just a little bit older than my son. I think he's 12, 13 years old. And last summer, he mowed lawns all summer long. And um, he made little flyers and went door to door to hand them out and was charging like $10, $15 to mow people's lawn. I should have took him up on it. <laughs> I will get some of those flyers and distribute them next week. It was like $10 or $15 to mow, just trying to raise money. And the reason he wanted to raise money was to buy a tablet. Um, he wanted to buy a tablet, and uh, he was telling me, it was like an all-summer thing. He saved his birthday money, and um, he said, I'll do anything I want. So finally, he saved enough money, and he bought a tablet. And uh, it took him a while, and then he saved all his money, and he bought a case. And he bought a case that was advertised as indestructible. And that's how this case was advertised. So he decided to try it out with my son. And uh, he put this tablet in his case, and he said, Jace, watch this. And he stood in my driveway, this is the story, and held the tablet like this and said, now watch this, and dropped it. And the tablet in the case hit the driveway, and uh, nothing happened. It was okay. My son said, okay, do it again. You know that's trouble, whatever's coming next. Do it again, but this time kind of like throw it down. And he's like, all right, this case, it's indestructible. So he takes the tablet, and, and it shatters. It just completely shatters. And as Jace told me the story later, as soon as it shattered, he grabs it and just runs home. And I came home, my son just felt horrible about it. And as they tell me this story, I feel horrible about it. I feel horrible for this kid. I feel horrible for my son. I just feel horrible about the whole thing. So I, I talked to this young boy and I said, hey, Trey, I said, I heard what happened. Man, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. I'm do you, can I see your tablet? How bad is it? And he, he just burst down in tears and he runs back inside of his house. And then I felt horrible. And I think we were grilling that night. I was out on the deck and um, it just, I, I, I just felt horrible. And I, I didn't know what to do. And I called my, my son inside and I said, come inside with me for a second. And he came inside and I went like this and I put my hands on his face like this. And I said, Jace, I said, I think this is our Jesus moment. And I said, buddy, I, I, think, I think maybe this is our Jesus moment. 
I said, will you go down in your room and pray? And I said, I'm not telling you what to do. But I said, I think this is our Jesus moment. And he goes downstairs and prays, I assume. And he comes back up. And he's got his tablet, got his charger, got his headphones. He's got the case. And he says, Dad, let's go next door. I go next door and knock on the door. And mom answers it. The kid's mom answers it. And she's like, he can't play. He's in trouble. And I'm like, yeah, I know I heard. <laughs> and I said, mine's going to be in trouble as well. And I said, we have something for your son. Can we give it to him? And he comes up, and my son takes it all, and he says, here you go. And he gives it to him. And I don't know what my son wrestled with downstairs. I don't know if he just knew that's what we ought to do. And I didn't tell him that's what we ought to do, and I didn't tell him that's what we should do. But I, in my heart, sensed, and I know this seems like a silly thing, but I sensed that this was a Jesus moment for us. Let's give what we have, expecting the only return to be that someone else is blessed. That was like, that was our, we didn't ask ourselves, and I sure didn't promise, we're going to buy you a new one, because we didn't. And I don't think we plan on it. (laughs) That wasn't our plan. It was just, we don't even need to ask those kind of questions. My heart's broken for this kid. Whatever it takes, it's our Jesus moment. Crown Point Church, I sense that this is our Jesus moment. I don't know what that means, but I sense your neighborhood needs a Jesus moment. I sense that you have family members, they just need a Jesus moment. I sense that you have people you work with and they just need a Jesus moment. And you know, I don't know how to explain how bad my heart hungers for a Jesus moment. Here we stand on the day of Pentecost, and, and I declare this right now that we need you, Jesus. We need a Jesus moment. We need him to not just kind of be there beside us in the boat. We need him with us. We need him bad. We can't reach people. We can't teach people. We can't save people. We can't heal people. We can't change our city. We can't encourage people. We can't do anything without Jesus. I can't take care of me without Jesus. We can't do it without Jesus. So Crown Point Church, hear the call this morning that this is our Jesus moment. This is our opportunity. The word says the fields are white and they're ready. The scripture says, please pray for workers. Pray, pray for workers. Pray, pray for somebody to go or somebody to give or, or somebody to do something. And in these verses, the entire point of these verses is to say, this gospel is not just for you. It's for the world. It's for all of them. And I was thinking in light of the day of Pentecost, how the work of the cross was for you. Know that this morning. Maybe you're, this morning you're here and you would say, you know, I'm not even a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm here because I'm here. But I would not call myself a Christian. I would not call myself a follower of Jesus Christ. And let me simply say to you this morning, the cross is for you. The cross was God's ultimate, I'm right here. I'm right here. David in the Old Testament is running for his life, running from Saul, running from the greatest army on the face of the earth at its time. 
He's hiding in a cave, and here's what he says. God, rid the heavens and come down for me. Split the divide between heaven and earth and come down for me. And that was fully answered by the cross. God said, there's no longer a divide between heaven and earth here. So this morning, you might say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. I'm not really a follower. Listen, all you have to do is call on Jesus. The cross is for you. But Pentecost is for them. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for the world. So that this gospel can go to every street, every neighborhood, in every city, in every nation, declare that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Will you stand up this morning? Mary, will you come up on the stage to the keyboard? I pray this morning that this is clear, that God is actively doing something in your life. And it might not feel like it. Maybe you had a rough week, a rough morning. Maybe you're having a rough year. Maybe for you it's a rough decade. And you're facing real stuff, and you're facing situations that aren't changing, and you're praying for something, and you feel like you don't have an answer, and at best it can be described as you straining at the oars. It's you trying and pushing and trying to have faith and trying to hold things together, and maybe that's all you feel like. At this point, you're just trying to hold things together. And listen to me. Be encouraged today that God is actively doing something in your life, and I don't know when, And I don't know how, but your situation will break. God is here. He's here right now. He's here. And I also want to encourage you this morning that not only is God working in you, but is the desire of God that he also work through you. That we take the message of the cross with the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit and we declare the good news that Jesus is here. I, I'm on the deacon board here at the church, and it's been an incredible honor. I respect those guys so much, and I respect the pastoral staff at the church so much as well. And I was praying last night for our church, and you know how sometimes when you're praying and it feels like work, you know? Okay, that's like every day for me. <laughs> but I was praying, and I, the leaders in this church, they, they can't eat and they can't sleep because there's a hunger in their hearts saying, we need you, Jesus. And I've been so encouraged and challenged by them. They sense a Jesus moment. They sense for the history of this church, maybe it's for our city and I think it's something even bigger than that. I think God is about to do something that we've never seen God do on the face of the earth. That's what Jesus promised. He said, greater works than the ones you guys saw me do. 
are going to happen when he comes. And I went this morning on the day of Pentecost and talking about us struggling through things that we're facing. We want to pray for you this morning. But first, I want to pray and bless the staff of our church. And um, I, Jeremy's with the kids, but um, will, will the staff and their wives just come up front and um, kind of face out? If you'll just like come up here and face out. I, I believe that we have the greatest church in Kansas City, and I believe we have the greatest staff um, in Kansas City. I'm, I'm so thankful for them. Um, is Kristen in here, or is she? That's okay. If I know they're with the kids this morning. Um, I encourage you to pray hard for our staff. Um, I know that they sense something is up, and I feel a Jesus moment. Is there anything in your heart that you just feel uneasy, or is it just me? You, you're like something, I can't put my finger on it, but something is going on. Something is, is going on. Um, I want us this morning, and this is going to get a little bit messy, but um, the, the deacon board, would you come up front and um, people part of the prayer ministry team here at the church, will you come up front as well and just come up and lay hands on the staff this morning? And then we're going to do, once they kind of get into place, we're going to ask all of you to come up front this morning. Um, let them kind of get in places. I want you to get in here and get a hand on them. If, if you're uh, part of the deacon board here at the church or part of the prayer ministry, go ahead and come up front and um, lay hands on one of them. Here's what we're going to do next. But I want to say it before you do it, okay? I want to ask that everyone in here come in as tight as we can and just put a hand on somebody. And we're just going to call down Jesus. And he's not up there, he's here. But we're going to ask for him, as David did, to split any divide between heaven and earth and come down for us. So we're going to do that for a moment, and then this crew is going to turn around and pray for all of you. And so this morning, you're not really responding to any altar call because we're all coming up. So it might get a little messy, but we're just going to pray for our staff and our leaders here at the church, and then we're going to turn tables and we're just going to send them out and just start to pray for you. So will you just come up this morning as tight as we can? Lay hands on someone this morning. And as soon as you get up here, you could just start to pray. As soon as you get here, you could just put your hand on someone and just start to pray as soon as you get up here. <laughs> 